Though I came to Japan with very few acquaintances, I have made some great friends here that I'm really thankful for. People have really opened their networks to me and helped me make more friends than I could have on my own. I've also taken trips with friends to Shizuoka Ken and Nikko so far, hopefully with many more trips to come. I'm now spending the end of the year in Myanmar, a country I've wanted to visit for quite some time. The experience has been spectacular and has made me feel even more grateful for the time and money that has allowed me to see so much of the world. In my 26 years on this earth, I've had the privilege of traveling to 31 countries, with nine of those being added to the list just this year. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and today I am here with David McNeil. As the founder of Expat Empire, David McNeil is focused on inspiring people to move abroad and showing them how to do it. In addition to producing books, podcasts, blog posts, meetup events, and more, Expat Empire offers personalized consulting services to give everyone the opportunity to achieve their international dreams. David started Expat Empire because he has a genuine passion for living abroad. He left the US in 2014 and has since lived in Tokyo, Berlin, and Porto. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I want to know about that excerpt in the very beginning that you read. What is that about?、Sure. Where did that come from? When was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great questions. So, this was actually the post that I put up at the end of 2014. So, right on, I think it was the last night of 2014 going into 2015. And、uh, yeah, as you heard, I was living in Japan at the time. So, I'd moved to Japan in, in August of 2014. So, I was only there a couple of months. And it was my dream for so many years to be able to live in Japan. So I finally achieved that goal. It was one of the biggest, you know, craziest, most wonderful years of my life. And、uh, I was also, as I mentioned, in Myanmar. So I was in a country that I had been dreaming about going to as well, just from, at least from a travel perspective. Japan was more of a living dream. Yeah, just being able to be there, see some incredible sights, the temples,、uh, meet some really nice people, great food as well. And just to be in that environment in the midst of the end of a really intense but wonderful year was, you know, a, a good reason for me to put a social media post up, <laughs> which I've done more of in more recent years. But it, it was an excerpt of a much longer piece. So I think it was just putting some good energy out there and definitely feeling thankful for all the friends and support that I had over the year. And the accumulation of a crazy, crazy year. Because I, I read the beginning of that excerpt. So if you guys, You have to check out. <laughs> well, I'll put the link <laughs> on the bottom. <laughs> Thank so you, you can、yeah. check it out because it's so interesting all the ups and downs that you had gone through and the adventures that you had gone through. And that was the culmination of that. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. You're an expat. You live in Porto right now, right? Right. So I'm in,、uh, just outside of Porto, Portugal. So I moved here in November of 2019. So I've been here for a little over a year. And I'm in a smaller town, although it's connected by the metro system called Matosinhos, which is right on the, on the coast, right on the beach. I mean, I'm still a, a, little, a little walk from there. I'm not on the beach, but you know, if you think about it, I guess, as you mentioned my, in the intro, going from Tokyo to Berlin to now a small, Local beach town. It's a very different vibe, but I love it. Wow. You were so lucky. I literally <laughs> have that、really、dream in my、it. head of like <laughs> living on, in a small beach town off the coast of, yeah, like Portugal. 
Yeah. It's, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I don't know how it all, I mean, I can tell you how it all came together, but it's one of those things that feels more um, like fate than, you know, I mean, it just, it just worked out really well. And my wife and I are really happy here. So I, I mean, I hope to be here for a long time. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you meet your wife while you were traveling? Yes, actually. So oh, uh, romance. funny enough, funny <laughs> enough. Yes. Um, so she, so we met in Berlin, but I guess the funny part is that she's Japanese. So I had that, I mean, I'd already been studying Japanese since I was 12. I guess I'll get that out of the way. So I'd been, um, <laughs> focused on Japan and trying to get there and live there and everything. And then, yeah, we can get through into my story a bit, I suppose, but I uh, did move to Berlin and there uh, I met her there. And I think it's really important because we were both outside of our home countries. And I think this is a, this is a really vital part that maybe people don't necessarily think about it. It obviously depends on what your priorities are and there's not just you know, one thing that makes or necessarily makes or break or breaks a relationship. But if you are serious about living abroad, if you are serious about travel, then hopefully you can find someone that you can do that with. And I think just knowing that we're both so comfortable outside of our home countries, even though I love Japan and, you know, we haven't been to the U.S. too much together, but she's enjoyed the time there. So who knows where the future will take us, but we, we are very comfortable being in this kind of third country to both of us. And hopefully we'll continue that. And that's the thing. You have to be with somebody who understands that lifestyle because mm-hmm. I'm sure there are challenges, you know, kind of. Absolutely. Plucking yourself out of what you're used to and you got to find somebody that's that's your groove, you know, yeah. who understands and that. We- yeah, we even started traveling together very early in the relationship, which I thought was like the first step. Of course, moving somewhere is the whole whole different, you know, can of worms. But just starting out with uh, we were, so we were in Germany. So we went next door to Poland and it just was this wonderful trip, just a weekend trip. And then we ended up going to that city, a small town just over the border many times. And it's kind of like a special trip for us. So we did that many times when we were in Germany. I think even just in those first I don't know, maybe it was six weeks or something into the relationship when we took that trip. That's just the first you know, major check box, I guess, ticked off to say, okay, we can do that. And obviously, as I mentioned, us both being in a different country from where we're from, you know, uh, we soon started talking about, well, once Germany is done, where might the next place be? And the first place that she thought of was Portugal. And yeah, lo and behold, we're here now. So <laughs> I guess that worked out. You both have like wild, wild hearts. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and we, we really do. And her family is never, uh, well, actually her sister, I think one took one trip maybe to Paris, but otherwise I think her family has otherwise never left Japan. So we are, we are very, uh, yeah, a very unique couple. I mean, my, my parents and uh, my sister have traveled more than her family, but still, um, I guess it's just an unusual situation in the eyes of most people. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, there's something about nomadic people or people that really love this lifestyle. Just there's something that pulls at us, right? Like for me, 100%, every single day I wake up and I go, oh, God, I want to go somewhere, you know, like, and I can't yeah. get that thought process out of my head, you know? So it's like Absolutely. we're built, we're, something's wrong with us. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> something's wrong with yeah. us because nobody else in my family likes to travel in the way that I like to travel and I like to specifically climb mountains and and be in un very nice. uncomfortable places so there I, no one in my family has that so maybe there's something down 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 in our ancestry <laughs> you know right <laughs> yeah it's hard to say what it is but i feel the same as you and i especially felt it today for some reason i think it's just the weather is not great today tons of fog and just kind of nastiness out there and just being in the middle of january and this whole situation and just like it was just itch itching at me you know just right, wanting to like, experience that again where do i go <laughs> yeah. yeah i of course having to make some plans for later this year but um i guess the size of the plan will depend on how things kind of turn out but yeah for now we're just sitting tight of course but uh yeah i, I it's such a big change from the last years where i was doing a lot more travel i'm sure you and, and many other people as well yes it's very very strange it's very strange how everything kind of just halted i was supposed to be in africa at some point this year somewhere in africa i didn't know where yet and yeah i just i've been traveling more in my backyard you know in the mm -hmm. u.s the big backyard <laughs> right but, okay that's good <laughs> yeah but it's weird to not be able to get out of the country right now it's you know i know some people yeah. have but i i don't know like i feel kind of I'm worried about getting stuck somewhere, you know? <laughs> right, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've managed to do a little bit when things were more open here in Europe in the summer. And That's yeah, right. the, the times have changed for now. So not quite in the situation, but um, yeah, fingers crossed for later this year. Yeah. So from your perspective, what does travel mean to you? Mm. Yeah, it is a all encompassing question, isn't it for people like us, but uh, I think, you know, as I as I kind of think about what travel means to me, it's really a chance for me to see something outside of what I'm familiar with. And uh, as you said, even like the big backyard in the US, it started for me with, um, well, some trips around the US, but also internationally with my family, but then also growing up, we we moved many times. So I always had an opportunity to then Go, for example, the, the biggest move for me when I was growing up was from um, Mobile, Alabama to oh, Los, wow. An Los Angeles, California. <laughs> so oh, that's a yeah, that's a big move. That's a big and move. Yeah, it, it just I mean, I already knew from having moved many times prior to that as well, that I could make new friends that I could make a new life there. But just getting that experience of even I mean, of course, that was a move and not travel per se, but just wow, I'm in the same country, but I'm in a totally different state, totally different city. And here I'm now in the big city and there's so much more to see, so much more to do. And I think with travel, it's been, um, especially internationally, just more of like, at first it was, I wanted to see all the big cities. I wanted to see like, you know, every country, I want to see all the big cities that I could. And just, I love that feeling of getting lost in the big city. And um, it's always amazing to move to a country first, for example, I mean, travel, of course, but then even moving somewhere and feeling so lost. And then after not too long, if you're diligent about uh, getting outside, walking a lot, seeing the different you know ways to get around town, then it suddenly becomes a lot more known and familiar. And then I start craving that uh, unfamiliarity again, if that makes sense. And just, I really love getting lost in the city. And so I think travel for me is just 
seeing different people, seeing um, different, you know, food, uh, drinks, culture, um, just, you know, I try to stay outside of, uh, of course, I love museums and churches and all that stuff, but that's what you get a ton of here in Europe. So I think if I can also just do the things that I like, but do it in a way that is, you know, yet different and more exploratory than what I'm used to at home, then maybe that's kind of, you know, helping me to develop myself, push my boundaries even further. Um, yeah, it's all that wonderful stuff, honestly. It's kind of, it is hard to bundle up and maybe I've been rambling a bit, but you get an no, idea. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this. I love hearing your perspective and all of that. Uh, have you been to Morocco? I haven't, but it is on the list, <laughs> as is many as are many places. But um, yeah, uh, I know some folks that went there and it would be certainly easier for me to get there from here. So yeah, I hope to. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Fez? If you want to get lost, hmm. I've talked about this in other episodes. Fez is a great place. It's just a maze. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, as long as I, I guess as long as I can get back. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like if you go to Fez out of all the cities in Morocco, like that place is literally a maze and it's, it's the old city. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That sounds So great. highly recommend if you want to get lost, just go to Fez, you know? All right. I will definitely do that. I'll report back. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I want to know about your decision to move. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to move? And then what made you go from, I had these dreams of traveling and living abroad to I'm actually doing it. I'm going to do it for real. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe it started for me a little bit earlier than other people in the sense that I started studying Japanese and getting an interest in Japanese culture and language when I was 12 years old. So I started young, but it wasn't necessarily starting out saying I want to live in Japan and that developed over time. But I just got more and more passionate about studying the language, about learning about the culture. And then I had a trip there uh, for the first time when I was 17. And I went with a high school language study, homestay, you know, travel around kind of program for one month. And it was so incredible. It, you know, it, I had such high expectations. I mean, that was five years of intense studying and passion and to get to finally go, it just blew my mind. And I just thought, okay, this is, this is wonderful. I'm going to focus on this in university. I'm going to see what I can do coming out of university. And I took another trip there uh, when I was 19, another one month trip over the summer with a friend. And coming back from that trip, I was even more jazzed up. And in fact, like I talked to a guy that was working there in finance. And I mean, just this idea of maybe it's a possibility. Um, I came back and decided I love it, but I've been there twice as a tourist for one month each time. Next time I go, it's going to be to live there. And that was just, that was just the conviction, I guess I came back with. And I tried it many times, many different ways to try to get to Japan. Uh, coming out of university, it didn't end up happening, but I thought, okay, I'm going to start here in the U.S. because, well, that's the opportunity available to me right now. So I'm going to get some experience and I'm going to see what I can do to try to leverage that into an opportunity abroad. And it took some years. I started out in investment banking as an analyst. I did that for two and a half years. I moved from Charlotte, North Carolina, then to San Francisco with the bank, got a job there in product management for a, a startup. And then, or I shouldn't say a startup, more of a tech company. Um, they were a bit on the larger side. But uh, after some months working at that company, I had a chance to go abroad for three months with uh, to either their Vancouver or Beijing office. So I said, 
send me to either one. I'm not staying here in San Francisco. This is my chance to get abroad. So just wherever you want to place me is fine. And uh, went to, I ended up going to Beijing, spent the three months there, absolutely loved it. Um, told them, please send me back. Uh, this is my, maybe the future for me. And then I came back and got laid off. So that was not a good time. <laughs> but I saw that, like literally I saw that dream of China just disappear right in front of me. Um, I mean, I had those three months, but I thought I would be there for much longer. And uh, then I decided, well, I'm not going to let that stop me from going abroad permanently or longer term. And um, yeah, so it just became a situation where I decided to travel around Europe for about nine weeks. And as I did that, I took interviews in China and Japan. So at midnight or 8 a.m., I was getting on <laughs> Skype calls oh and God. cafes and Starbucks and hostels and really terrible Wi-Fi to uh to take these interviews and long story short uh, i did get that job in japan so i uh, that was in 2014 and i moved there at the end of july uh, 2014 so it all ended up happening but it, it took many years a lot of tenacity um ups and downs and yeah but i'm really glad that i did it wow did you have any fears moving away like were you just you know like mm -hmm. once you got that job in japan you knew that it was permanent. I mean, that, that's the thing. I'm looking at your history right now. I'm hearing all about it. You're used to just like moving around. Like you went from city to city and that's like a big deal for most people. So I feel <laughs> like you were already used to it, but did you ever have any fears like moving to a different yeah. country? Uh, I didn't in general. What I feared at first about Japan was, uh, and it's, it's kind of, it was funny at the time. Like I, I, still had friends out there and things like also people I'd say Japanese with. And I looked at one of the guy's uh, messages um, on Facebook or whatnot. And the last message I had sent him a few years prior was basically me trying to figure out, am I really cut out for working in Japan because of that, uh, just the fear of the work culture and just the hierarchy and everything. I was just wondering would I really fit in. And of course it was a bit embarrassing like two years later or something to be like, oh, hey man, I haven't talked to you in a while and to see that old message. <laughs> and it's like, by the way, now I'm coming to Japan, so I'll see you there. And uh, you know, it was fine, but just to see that, like that was definitely a fear that I had and that really crystallized that for me. But on the other hand, what I decided and how I've decided to live then and, and since then is that I don't like to live in the what if, what if land in terms of like, what if I don't like it? What if it's not good? What if I wanna come home? What if I'm lonely? What if I'm bored? What if I can't make friends? It's more like, I would rather go and figure it out. If I have, well, first of all, see if you have an opportunity to go because if you never apply or you never look for it or you never put it out there, then you're probably not gonna just, it, it may land in your lap. I'm not saying it won't happen, but it's good to be more proactive about it if that's something that you want. So see, Put out your application, see what happens. If you get that job offer, then just go and figure it out. And if it doesn't work, then you come back. But I also now with so many moves under my belt to different countries for longer term uh, time, I've also just thought, okay, if it doesn't work out, then I move on to the next country. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like here or home, at least for me, it's more like here or Somewhere another else. country or another city or and I could always go back to the US but that's not my goal at least as of yet so I've managed to make this move uh, to a new place enough times to where 
I have some confidence that it will happen again if I want it to or need it to. But that takes a lot of faith and that's obviously built up over multiple years and multiple moves. And also having your partner with you that also feels the same way. That's really cool. And that's rare. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have each other's back on that. And um, it's very different to move uh, by yourself to a country that you pretty much know nobody, a giant metropolis, and uh, and just try to kind of figure it out and wing it compared to, yeah, just having like, yeah, your partner in crime kind of thing. I mean, I don't want to make it too gushy or anything, but just, you know, it's, it's like at first no, when I'm... <laughs> But it is true, you know, it's it's very different to meet people now in terms of like how you meet people because when you're doing it on your own, when you're young and single, it's like, okay, all the meetups, all the clubs, all this and that, and that's a lot of fun. But now just to have somebody with you that's just understands you, supports you, you know, is is in it for the long haul. That just, yeah, it's, diff it's different and I think it's better, but it's also a different stage of life, so. For folks that don't have that, don't be discouraged. But but for me, I think I really wanted, like after US to Tokyo, Tokyo to Berlin, then thinking about where it was going to be after that, I wanted to be able to go with somebody. I think I was just kind of tired of doing it myself. You're ready, myself. yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a life stage thing too. And also for any single people out there that are you know thinking about the, doing this and worried about that aspect, you met your wife on the road. <laughs> you didn't meet <laughs> her point. at home. Yeah. Now yeah. while you were traveling. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And and that's how you're gonna find those opportunities to connect with those people that that sort of meet those criteria of you know being travel oriented or international or whatever it is that is important to yeah, to you or to to the listener. Yeah. So did you face any challenges doing what you're doing? And how did you mitigate any of those challenges, if you had any? Yeah, I've definitely had a lot. Um, I think the two that really stick out to me, I guess I'll get to the easy one first. So one is loneliness, but we just talked about that. So <laughs> I think that one kind of, um, you know, advantage to be much better now. But of course, there were times that were, it was really tough. If you just don't know anybody, you're new in the city, um, you know, yeah, those are family. tough times. Family, yeah, family being far for sure. Um, but I think the the big one for me that has really been a huge challenge over the years is the stability of the jobs. So in my case, I, I already talked about one layoff, but I've also been laid off two more times and I've quit three other jobs. Oh. And uh, <laughs> this is all international, you know, um, and the work that I'm doing is more product management oriented. So I'm, I, you know, I can't speak to English teaching or, you know, sales or, or any other type of work. And obviously I'm just talking to my experience, but working, uh, working in startups and tech companies, which is a lot of what the opportunities are out there for people who want to move long-term and not do something that's necessarily translation or interpreting or English teaching, for example, you know, I guess it just comes with the territory. And so <laughs> I've just had a lot of struggles with that. And every time though, and the, this is how I've overcome it. And I had that first experience in San Francisco when I got laid off the first time is just recognizing I got laid off from this job. I decided I, I'm not gonna just necessarily stay here in the US. And somehow <laughs> I got that job in Japan, my dream country. So. It has consistently been the case that whenever I've been laid off or had some job problem that kind of made me want to quit, I have managed to find that next thing. And it's always been better than the previous. So 
it's it's moving up. It's just not necessarily in the same hierarchy, the same company. It's lateral, <laughs> or it, and it, it's not even uh, necessarily job title improvements, which is another whole thing um, that's been difficult for me to get. But it has been quality of life improvements, and of course that depends on what's important to you, and that's not always on the salary level, but it is on the quality of life as I see it, which is you know get it, yeah the small beach town <laughs> experience that we were talking about. I think that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we, but it's people like us, right? Not everybody uh, treasures that or, you know, what is it worth to you? You know, that, I mean, not to you, but to, <laughs> to people <Right>. in general. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a uh, priorities as well. Exactly. Well, I have a feeling that the people that listen to my podcast <laughs> probably <laughs> right. have similar values where like, I'd rather have that than a fancy like car or house, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I told him to come out here. I mean, Portugal is a great place to be. So, right. Exactly. Okay. So what is the most valuable thing that you've learned? I think it's probably just how to be, and the fact that I can be successful in so many different situations, cultural, you know, different cultures, different environments, different people. And, uh, I like as well in my experience that I've changed the region so many times. I mean, there are still regions I haven't been to uh, or spent much time in. Um, so I'm not saying I've, I've been in every you know culture in the world or anything like that, but just going into China and Japan and then going here to Germany, and that's yet quite different still, even within Europe from Portugal. So I think just being able to... Um, yeah, just learning the self-sufficiency and learning like how to adapt into those situations. And again, to find success, even when you have those hurdles and those roadblocks, I think is probably the most valuable thing I've learned in traveling. Yeah. I love that. Okay, just to go back, I want to know about expat empire. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about this empire. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm building, yes, 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 in the process of building. So. Um, yeah, so I started this in, I guess, 2017, but it launched in July of 2018. So I launched uh, expatempire.com, the website, as well as my book, Passport to Working in Japan. So my first product was essentially, how do I package all this knowledge I've developed over the years of trying to work in Japan, the last like 15, now it's 20 years, um, into, into a book that I could well, sell to people, but ultimately also just share that knowledge because I looked for so long for someone to be my mentor, to teach me the ropes and how I can get to Japan. And I couldn't find this person. And uh, I'm so now it started with the book, but of course the consulting services as well, but that came a bit later. Um, and then, yeah, I added on the Expat Empire podcast. So I talked to a lot of expats and hear their stories and share their tips and secrets and uh, blog posts and I have a meetup group here in Porto as well. But really it was a chance to then do this sort of personalized consulting service to help people get over the hurdles, whether it's mental or emotional or financial or uh, just logistics really of getting abroad. And so I help people basically moving from anywhere to anywhere. I think the services that I tend to offer, although I personalize the proposal for everybody, tend to meet most of the needs of people. So whether that's looking into the potential visas that they could get, what countries would make the most sense for them or cities as well, what they need to know in general and just ask their questions over a call, doing a timeline planning. So basically figuring out all the steps they need to take from before their move, during and after their move to get settled, 
finding jobs abroad uh, or even building online businesses to be able to be more remote, you know, digital nomad type style. Um, yeah, all of that stuff. Uh, everyone can find that on expedempire.com. I'd love to just set up a free 30 minute call for us to go through your plans and think through how you know, we can help you to achieve them. And really uh, just try to be very personalized and unique in the approach, because I think one thing that I saw, and I have also worked in the relocation industry, is that it tends to be a lot of one size fits all solutions. And I don't think that that's the most, well, it's not the best experience for the customer or the client. And I think knowing my own <laughs> struggles and trials and tribulations, it's you, you got you got to have a personalized element to it and uh, recognize that everyone's different. And so that's what I've tried to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because one person's journey is so different from, you know, someone else's, especially people like to travel differently. One city might be completely different than another city. You know, if their goal is Japan, that's one thing. But what if their goal is like Peru? It's completely different. So Yeah, yeah. Just sort of saying, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, good luck. You know, I mean, right? of course, of course, like, you know, there's an, there's an element of, um, of their situation, what they need, what they're interested in. Um, and of course their goals as well. And I mean, with some clients, it's even just thinking through, we, we want to go abroad, but we're not even really sure where to look, you know, we're just sort of like ready for something new, some adventure. And so I love those opportunities as well, just to talk through, okay, what is important to you? You know, is it right. a more, more open, you know, kind of liberal environment? Are you more financially oriented? Is it, it could be so many different things. And so to is bring it like some a city ideas, or is it mountains or is it a beach, you know? Yeah, I'm exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah. What type of weather? And I mean, all these things are super important. I, I mean, even for me, where I mo moved to over the years, there were all different reasons. At first it was Tokyo. Okay. Let's be in the big metropolis in Japan. That's my dream. Then it was Berlin, which was another big city, but very different, you know, in the middle of Europe, getting to travel a lot, a lot more English speaking people, um, getting to see such a cool city, uh, kind of, it's just such a, such a different place, uh, left an impression in my mind when I traveled there. And then now Portugal is like, let's go to warm places. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's get that good food. Let's the warm people, warm weather. And, uh, yeah. So I think just bringing that element of the experience, the network, um, the knowledge and, and the personalized approach, I think, uh, makes a big difference. Okay, so you've obviously traveled a lot. <laughs> I have what, traveled. Quite yes, a bit. yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. So, out of all the places you've explored, what's your favorite place? I mean, the easy answer is Japan, but I don't want to go there <laughs> because <laughs> that's like so obvious in my in my stories, and I've seen so much of it. But in terms of exploring other places. Um, one of my favorites has actually been Budapest. Have you had a chance to go there before? No, I really want to no. go. Yeah, it, I, it kind of comes to mind because I've spent two separate trips there for one week each, which is something that I like never do. <laughs> so there's so much of the world to see that I'm not saying I don't go back to places again, but to go somewhere for a week each time uh, for, for two times is something that's pretty unusual for me. So I thought it was a, just a really cool city, tons of life, ton, very vibrant, lots of fun stuff to do, especially as a tourist. I'm not sure how it is exactly, you know, to live there, but just to, just to see, for me, it was like, I, I love that thing in Berlin, which was also relevant to this in, in that 
there's so much uh, history. There's so much um, abandoned buildings, like graffiti, all of this stuff. I love that history. And even if maybe to some politicians, it's an eyesore to me and to a lot of other people, it's like this beautiful stuff to explore. And uh, that's what drew me to Berlin. And I saw a lot of similarities, like a lot of, you know, these ruined pubs and different things that they have going on in Budapest. So for me, something about that and yeah, just the, the, the nightlife, the, um, the escape rooms, because that's like a big thing there. They have tons. Really? I love escape rooms. Yeah. And they have tons of like tons of them. I think it's what I'd heard at the time. I don't know if it's still true, but it's got the most escape rooms of like any city in the world. What? I have yeah. never. <laughs> I had and, no and I've only barely scratched the surface, right? It's like, I've only been probably the, I don't know, three or so. I, I don't know the count, but there must be so many more cool ones. So if people are into that, that's a good city to go to for sure. If you ever come to LA, my friend owns an escape room in a nice. real, a real haunted location. It's actually wow. haunted. It's known to be haunted. It's one of the, I think it was one of the first uh, buildings built in Pasadena and they used to have a bank on top of it, but all these banks kept moving out of it because they were getting haunted. <laughs> and so she owns, she owns this place in the, in the basement uh, where there used to be catacombs in there oh my god okay i'll definitely go there terrifying. <laughs> yeah sounds terrifying. awesome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah next time you come to los angeles or you visit your family he's from los angeles or your family's in los angeles there you go right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah that's that sounds amazing um yeah i love that stuff i mean unfortunately there's not so much of that here i mean you know those are the trade-offs that you get with a bit smaller city i'm not uh, there are some but it's not this kind of escape yeah I, I think like... yeah it's not the escape room uh you know get together location i think that'd be more Budapest, <laughs> but yeah um that was a really cool city but yeah there's just so many that i've i've loved but that's one that's um that, that really... the last time i went was uh fall of 2019 so like my wife and i got married and then we uh, took some small trips as a honeymoon kind of thing, like a couple of sort of short trips around Europe. And that was one of them. So we really loved that. And I was glad to be able to show her. And I was amazed at myself, uh, at the fact that I really like loved it the second time too. So yeah, I definitely think it's a cool city. Do you have any tips and tricks about the, that place? Like, <laughs> about yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, definitely. Um, so the ruined pubs, it's basically for people who, who aren't familiar, it's this, um, I'm not sure the exact history of it, to be fair, but essentially what it's turned into is a number of different pubs and also like multiple pubs, even within the same location that you go into, you can order a drink and whatnot and walk around, but they have all this kind of cool gardens and I mean, indoor gardens and different stuff. And they have like, um, I mean, how would you describe it? It's very Berlin. I don't know. It's just got like tons of crazy stuff that they got from off the street. And, you know, it's just like a old bench or whatever that you can sit on and things that were built are now put up in there. And, you know, they have photo booths and I'm just trying to think of like all the stuff, but it's just, you know, you look up some photos, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking <laughs> about. It's hard to describe over, you know, over in words, but it's, all kinds of just kind of crazy stuff, disco balls, like um, little things to do, little like, yeah, drinks, people are having a great time, beers and um, yeah, these are called ruined pubs. The main one is called Zimpla. So Zimpla, I guess is the ruined pub name in Hungarian. 
this this is my understanding anyway. Simpla Kurt, so K E R T, and I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, but uh, so that's like one of the main things to see. There's also these great um, spas, I guess you'd call them, but it's like outdoor baths. So everyone, like you wear your swim trunks or, or swimsuit and you uh, are in this like outdoor uh, warm pool area. And some of these are massive and they have tons of different pools. They have cool ones, uh, warm ones, and they have some, some saunas as well. So that's something that we also enjoyed, which is coming from our experience in Japan, where we love these onsen bathhouses and stuff like that. So this is not the same, but close enough within the context of Europe. And uh, and we also just had some great food. I mean, there was one awesome barbecue place, which, you know, maybe that's easier for you to get <laughs> in and around the Los Angeles area, but harder, harder in Europe. So I, I don't, you know, I'm sure it's not the best in the world, but it was uh, scratch the itch for us. It was called BP Barbecue, BP Barbecue. And um, yeah, the, I mean, these are just some things that we saw, but just uh, just a great vibe there, tons to explore. And um, just felt like something interesting was always around the corner. And I thought the, the spa thing plus the pub thing, like all, and the escape rooms, like all this different stuff in one city, it just gave you so much to do. Like I said, two one week trips is unusual for me. So I think people will be able to dig in and, and take a bite out of it. What is a ruined pub? Well, that's, yeah, it's just ruins that they turned into a place to get these drinks, uh, to, 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 to get a drink. So yeah, I, I, it's wow. hard. I, this is, I think, I think it's basically taking the old, uh, like ruin. ruin. I, I think it's ruins like from war time type stuff, wow. but then they basically made it into a really cool DIY kind of place where, yeah, people gather and get a drink. So it's just, wow. uh, yeah, take, take a look at some pictures. It's easier to, to take a visual. I'm literally looking at it right now. I'm like, whoa, I've never heard of Ruin Pops because I've never been in that region. Right. So it's exactly. like, that's so interesting. Wow. Okay, I'm going to have to try that when I when I go and visit. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> that's fun. Okay, so have you ever had anything dangerous or exciting happen to you while you've been traveling? So I suppose for me, one of the most exciting trips that I had was to Malapascua in the Philippines. And I got to do some scuba diving there. That was the point of the trip. And um, so it was like a week long or five days uh, trip with some folks. And we were just going diving every day. And what uh, was really cool there was that it's known for these sharks called thrasher sharks. And they have this really long kind of crazy looking curved tail and uh, so it's just a really interesting type of shark to be able to watch. And basically in some of the dives, we were just sort of sitting there like a hand on a rock, you know, kind of trying to keep with the current, just trying to keep us there. But then I just had my GoPro, you know, just like pointed at the sharks and they're just kind of sitting there, like, just like, I guess more like this, <laughs> but I was on the other side, but like, if this is the shark, they're just sort of swimming there, looking at you, like more like hovering in the water, you know? And it, and I mean, it wasn't dangerous in the sense that well, it generally was sharks, yeah, <laughs> sharks are generally more afraid of you than you are of them. So I don't, it's not the, um, you know, getting in the, the shark tank with the, the metal bars and the, you know, they put the chum in the water or whatever, and just, you know, you have to kind of hope that the, the tank stays up. It's, it was, um, you know, peaceful from that perspective, but it was an amazing sight. And 
uh, yeah, just had so, so many great times doing scuba diving and I started back in 2011 and it just for people that are avid travelers, it's very interesting to be able to then suddenly think about traveling underwater, right? In terms of not just looking at land trips, but water trips as well. So it really opens up possibilities for you. But on the dangerous side, if you could call it that, I had a really interesting experience coming back from Guatemala. So I had a one week basically between jobs. And so I went over there, a friend had like mentioned Guatemala and I thought, okay, why not? I just hadn't seen much of South and Latin America. So I just decided to go. I didn't really do a whole lot of research ahead of time. I just went by myself for one week and I saw a lot of cool stuff. I loved the trip, but what was the kind of quote unquote dangerous part was coming back to the US. So I went through Houston airport, I believe. And uh, I was just, I never had any problem at border crossings before. I mean, especially in my own country. And uh, not that I can, I guess, blame them in the end, but they were extremely suspicious, it turns out, of the fact that a sort of, you know, mid twenties, single guy, like traveling by himself, didn't speak hardly any Spanish at all, except a few words, would actually go to Guatemala. Like it was so confusing to the, to the immigration officers that they like marked something on my boarding pass when I was going through the checkpoints and they directed me to this other way. And then, and I had to get the connecting flight. Right. And, and that was just standing there. Now everything was going to have to be searched. So they went through, I had to wait in line. And of course it takes a long time and they're extremely thorough, but eventually um, I did, you know, go up and open all my baggage, show them, they literally checked everything. I mean, they took everything out, all the corners, they tried to see if there was any, you know, if I was like basically bringing drugs back, which <laughs> that was the last thing in, the, in my mind as part of this trip. And, uh, and then they also said, oh, so your camera, can we look at your photos? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I legitimately had nothing to hide. I was just, I just wanted to get out of there. So I said, yeah. And they went through all 400 photos, which what? I took by myself or people took of me to see if there was somebody that I was like communicating with or basically to see if there was any incriminating evidence on my photo re- uh, roll on my camera. And it, I had nothing to hide. I just wanted to go and travel to a different place for a week. <laughs> and so thankfully I got out of there fine. And I made my connecting flight. Uh, barely, wow. but you know, it was just, it was kind of an eye-opening experience and it was really, it was frightening. It wasn't dangerous in a sense, but it was frightening because it's the problem is <laughs> when you, when you have nothing to hide in a sense, it's even like, it's even scarier because then you just get all nervous. At least I did. I got all nervous and then that looks more incriminating. <laughs> and, you know, I was just like, this is the last thing I want coming back, you know, home, before, you know, I just want to get on my flight and get out of here. So it worked out just fine, but it was uh, eye-opening and thankfully the only time that that happened, but just something I, I suppose for people to be aware of that if you go to some of these destinations that are known as, you know, maybe drug hotspots or this or that, it's a possibility. And I guess just be, as long as you're aware of it, hopefully you can learn from my story, <laughs> but uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't that much fun, but it didn't last too long either. Wow, I didn't have that problem at all in Guatemala. They were just like, go ahead. <laughs> Maybe it was the, the, I don't know, maybe somehow I looked extra, extra suspicious. Why would this guy, uh, I don't know, not speak Spanish. (laughs) What is this guy just going for a week? I, yeah, I don't know what happened. It's never happened again, but. That's so funny. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, you know, at least, you know, now you're like prepared if that ever happens to you. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Next question. 
Tell me your most meaningful person that you've ever met while traveling. To pick a person in particular, it's a good friend of mine named Masahiro, who's in Japan. Uh, I met him within the first few weeks of moving to Japan through a friend. So I'd also studied abroad in Singapore when I was in university. I skipped that part earlier. But during that time, I met someone there, a Japanese woman, um, also a student, and uh, didn't really keep in touch with her too much. But basically, we reconnected because then I moved to Japan and was looking for people to you know, build my network or just to, to have fun with. And she introduced me to her coworker, and we just really hit it off from there. And it's just been uh, like last time I was in Japan, which was in 2019. Even though it was a short trip, but we had so many chances to interact and, and like hang out again. And he's helped me a ton of times and like I've you know tried to help him as I can, but it's all it's all pretty much remote uh, at this point. But just just a great guy that really set the stage for, I think, like this successful fun time that I had in Japan. And yeah, I just really appreciate that. And I found it in general difficult to make friends in Japan. I had maybe some more success with some other foreigners, with other expats, but with Japanese people, it was a little difficult to sometimes break the ice and, you know, get into the closer circle and feel like part of the, the group. And that's one guy that was always kind of open and like introducing me to people and just being my like, yeah, my like brother from another mother <laughs> in Japan. So that's, uh, yeah, just, uh, I think, a good person to give a shout out to. I love that. What were your most favorite or fulfilling moments during your travels or living abroad? <laughs> Especially in traveling, just getting kind of lost in the city, not lost, lost, but like enough lost to where I'm just kind of wide eyed, just looking in every direction and trying to figure out which which street to take next is probably the stuff that to me is most kind of memorable, definitely my favorite stuff and fulfilling from a standpoint that Usually as I'm doing that, it's also very self-reflective. And so it's it's hard to kind of um, give a lot of like a specific example, but just those those times of just being really appreciative of the opportunity, being, um, being in an unfamiliar situation. And I just love exercising that part of myself where I have to like then try to figure out how to become comfortable, you know, and it's kind of addictive in a way. And obviously after doing it this many times, you just get used to it in, in the sense of like, it's, it's, it's broadening your uh, comfort zone, but it's already so broad because I've done that so many times that it's kind of just exercising a muscle that you're already been developing. And even in this case, I haven't been able to do that as much as I wanted to. So I look forward to getting back to that. But I think um, those, those opportunities for self-reflection, for thinking through things, being appreciative, being grateful for what you got, but also trying to just use the time that you have as best as you can, I, I think... I think that for me has probably led to kind of some of the most development, but it's hard to put a pin on exactly when that is or a specific experience. I mean, I think all those moments where you're just, you know, getting lost in the city, right? I, I think that those are pretty special moments because you there's no time limit. You're just right. being, you know, yes. and that's <laughs> I Even now, like, I, I guess for me, it's also probably good to note that everyone kind of maybe has their thing that's a stress reliever or that they do to get some peace of mind. And what I do even now, just on a daily basis is go for a little walk around, uh, you know, the block. And so I'm really like, uh, I like to walk, listen to my podcast, listen to music, think it's kind of like the extension of the shower thinking time where you, at least, I don't know, that's for me is like 
take in the warm shower, just like, hmm, yeah, okay. Like maybe you have some insights. And so it's, uh, it's without having to take another shower, it's like my, <laughs> my other be at, be at peace, be, um, be into myself, like into my mind. And, um, and so I think being able to do that in somewhere that I'm also just getting that visual piece to it and something totally different is, uh, is always amazing. And so I guess that's what I look for as well in terms of new, new travel opportunities is that is going back to that feeling. Awesome. Okay. If there's somebody out there that's listening to this and they go, man, I want his life. I want to do what he does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to do what he's doing. I want to meet my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, <road>. yeah, <laughs> I, w- I was in the same boat for a long time wishing that I did, would have been able to do that too. So, <laughs> right. Right. So what are your tips and tricks for somebody who wants to do what you want to do? I mean, if I really look back and I'm really honest and I mean, I'm not trying to say this in a boastful way, but just to reflect on your question, I, I have been, and I am living my dreams that I had at one point. So for a long time, it was Japan. Then I did that and man, that was awesome. (laughs) But then when it was Japan, then I was in Japan for a while and then it was like, oh, Berlin looks pretty cool. I wonder how I get over there. Like that then it was like oh, i'm getting a little tired of germany maybe yeah maybe that portugal that we both really love let's go over there so um it's always evolving and changing but it, just to say that i i've been in the shoes of the people who potentially are out there listening to this thinking that way um so if i could really say much of anything to them i think um i think if they really have a passion for living abroad or for traveling or being digital nomad or whatever their thing is or even if it's something totally different, um, I would say like to keep the dream alive. And it doesn't mean that it's going to happen today or tomorrow. And I've seen, like I said, many times of, I thought of, I, I was so Japan focused when I was in university, I was doing a double major in um, finance and Japanese. I was, um, yeah, speaking it, practicing it all the time. I was going to all kinds of career fairs to try to go to Japan. I, was trying to contact any alumni that lived there. Like that's just one example, but I was trying to do all of that stuff and it still didn't happen. And it took some years and it took some luck, you could call it, but also, you know, I I guess I went to the lengths of in trying to enjoy a Europe trip while being on the phone at midnight or 8 a.m. or whatever in Starbucks, you know, just trying to get those jobs and take that opportunity. So if you're really serious about it, I just recommend that you don't give up if it doesn't happen immediately. Don't get discouraged. You can always take some time off from your goals like I did starting out in my career, um, but then come back to it. And if you are really serious about it and you put that energy out there, you put that intention out there, you tell people, this is what I want. This, you know, I'm trying to find this. Can you help me do this? People are willing to help. And you'd be surprised who people know. Like you may not know that your friend or your friend's parents or whoever, happens to know somebody that's working in Vietnam or wherever it is that you want to go and uh, can make that connection for you. So I I just think, you know, you got to, it might take time. Um, It may be different from what you expect too. my first, like I said, my first time uh, working abroad was in China. That was not in my plan, but I took it right. The opportunity comes, you take it. And, um, and I'm really glad that I did. So I think it's just more about just that longevity of, putting it out there, doing the work toward it, looking for opportunities and keeping the dream alive in the long, in the big picture. If that's what you're really passionate about, then I think it'll take you there. 
it's it's like you know you have to believe that it will happen even if you don't know the steps in between and this is just a like a big life i i'm probably sounding really i don't know <laughs> mystical now but um this is kind of how i think but it also has developed based on my own experience doing this for these years so i i would i would say that and people can kind of take it as take it or interpret it as they wish i love that it's a story of endurance really you know, if you really want it, how bad do you want it? <laughs> On that note, I, I hope I've also made it clear that it hasn't uh, always been an easy road. And even if people want it or they like the look of it and it's kind of the whole Instagram problem, right? Like it can look great, but there's a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of downtimes. There's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make um, to do this. And so just uh, it's, it's alignment of priorities as well. Like we talked about, like if this is really important, then you'll prioritize it above, um, over the maybe easier, more simple life you could have at home. So I, I think it kind of comes down to that. What is a piece of advice that you can give to a younger you? <laughs> now that we're talking uh, about advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's similar, but if I were to probably try to bundle all that up into a sentence, it'd just be keep going. <laughs> Because uh, I didn't start thinking, yeah, yeah, I want to live in Japan. It just sort of developed over time. But I did have that passion for the culture, for the language, for everything else. And so I think just continuing with that as opposed to putting it to the side. And, and of course, like if you end up finding that you like something else better or that you want to pursue something else, then put your energy toward that. But um, I'm really glad that all those kind of thoughts of like, I wonder what Japan's like. I wonder if I could live there someday or... Um, you know, all of those questions that I had that could have been blockers were not. And I guess I would just say to keep going. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What is the one interesting item that you take with you or that you purchase? <laughs> Although I don't think you purchase very much because you're always moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try not, try not to, to keep too many things around, but, um, but the thing that I take, uh, I, maybe not 100% of trips, if I'm honest, but on a lot of trips, a lot of trips, I've taken this hat that I bought in <laughs> Beijing when I first visited in 2009. So I did this, uh, yeah, I did this uh, semester at National University of Singapore. And after that semester, which was incredible, like meeting so many great people uh, and pretty much traveling every other weekend, like it was just the dream for me. I was, I was, I was having such a blast. But after that, I thought, I want to see China. And um, I decided to go by myself. And I don't, didn't speak any Chinese. Well, the few words that I knew, I wasn't pronouncing them right. So <laughs> nobody could understand me. It was a really tough trip in many respects, like uh, very amazing, but also difficult in communication and um, yeah, being alone on that. But one thing was that I, at some point, because I needed a hat, I just saw this like cool, little, it's like, you know, kind of a, nothing special like a little hat that you'd find at like a you know rip off kind of place and not rip off in terms of too much money but like you know they just kind of have this what do you call them like just hats that they made at some factory kind of thing right um you know and it's got some like dragon design on it and i just somehow kind of thought it was like kind of cool you know and i'm and sure it just, it's so cool <laughs> i mean <laughs> i could show you it's not i mean i don't have a right like here, but it's not, it's not that cool. But to me, it was just somehow I managed to keep it for the, my trip. And then I brought it with me and then it just became my go-to lucky hat. 
and when I travel. So I don't wear it otherwise. I don't wear hats. But when I travel, somehow I end up wearing this hat. And <laughs> I think that's, uh, I just, you know, I still, after what, 11, no, 12 years, I still haven't lost it. So I think that's a pretty good sign. Oh my God, that is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would, yeah, I'd be pretty sad if I lost it now, even though it was probably like $5, you know, but it's just one of those things. And it's, it stood the test of time, even in terms of quality. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Okay, so where are you going to next? My wife and I are thinking about maybe a next thing being roughly half the year here in Portugal, half somewhere else, and um, traveling around. And I mean, at least first our plan would be in Asia. So okay. seeing her family in Japan, um, but also being in Southeast Asia, like. Yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of that with my time in Japan and in China and Singapore, but she hasn't seen a lot of it. And of course, I'd love to like go back and spend longer there. And just seeing a place once won't really do it justice anyway. So yeah, I think that's what we're thinking next. I don't know if that's this year. I don't know if it's next year. I don't know how long it's going to be, but I would like it to be a longer trip, especially because we're both, I've moved away from my sort of professional, you know, corporate career in the in product management and now focused on expat empire and she's doing kind of her uh, business as well so that's just kind of the next level for us i think is just that extra location independence i love it and but still having a home base because we live it here in portugal yeah i mean you're on the beach <laughs> you're on the beach it doesn't get much better but um but the weather yeah i, I will say though if people are thinking about portugal i love porto i think it's awesome so this is in no way a diss to Porto, but uh, if people expect Porto to have that sunny, sunny, sunny weather that they maybe think about of, of Portugal, then they should probably go further south. So unfortunately today, tons of fog, uh, rainy, the winters here are always pretty, pretty, I don't know, San Francisco-y, but, oh, <laughs> uh, or Seattle-y. So kind of like similar, similar weather for the winter? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, yeah, but I don't know. It's been a little extra cold this um, this year compared to last winter, but uh, but the summers are great. I mean, overall, it's still a vast improvement to Berlin. So you know, it's all yeah, relative. For sure, <laughs> it's all relative. That's the thing. But um, but it's not this you know thirty three hundred days of sun that you might want in the Algarve or somewhere like Los Angeles, Portugal. or like in Los Angeles, which I I do miss the weather there. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we have one last question. Mm -hmm. Where can we find you? Yes. Well, uh, you can definitely find me at expatempire.com. So we talked about that earlier, all the podcasts, the books, the blog posts, all that good stuff and the consulting services. So if anyone's interested, happy to set up a free 30 minute call just between the two of us or with your significant other or family, whatever you'd like. And we can talk through your plans if you're thinking about moving abroad or thinking about starting an online business or anything and everything in between. So tons of information on the site. Um, you can find us also on Facebook and Instagram at Expert Empire. And yeah, that's about it. So really hope to uh, connect with some folks. Awesome. Well, David, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, 
and follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.